0: Question sixty-seven of Summa Theologica Prima Secunde treaties on Habits in Particular Good Habits, that is, Virtues This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit librivox.org. Summa Theologica Prima Secunde treaties on Habits in Particular good habits that is virtues by st thomas aquinas translated by the fathers of the english dominican province question 67 of the duration of virtues after this life in six articles we must now consider the duration of virtues after this life under which head there are six points of inquiry first whether the moral virtues remain after this life second whether the intellectual virtues remain third whether faith remains fourth whether hope remains fifth whether anything remains of faith or hope sixth whether charity remains first article whether the moral virtues remain after this life objection one it would seem that the moral virtues do not remain after this life for in the future state of glory men will be like angels according to matthew twenty two thirty but it is absurd to put moral virtues in the angels as stated in ethics ten eight when aristotle says Whatever relates to moral action is petty and unworthy of the gods. Therefore, neither in man will there be moral virtues after this life. Objection to. Further, moral virtues perfect man in the active life. But the active life does not remain after this life. For Gregory says in his commentary on Job 4.18, the works of the act of life pass away from the body. Therefore, moral virtues do not remain after this life. Objection 3. Further, temperance and fortitude, which are moral virtues, are in the irrational parts of the soul, as the philosopher states in Ethics 3.10. Now the irrational parts of the soul are corrupted when the body is corrupted, since they are acts of bodily organs. Therefore, it seems that the moral virtues do not remain after this life. On the contrary, it is written in Wisdom 115 that justice is perpetual and immortal. I answer that, as Augustine says, in On the Trinity 14.9, cicero held that the cardinal virtues do not remain after this life and that as augustine says in on the trinity fourteen nine in the other life men are made happy by the mere knowledge of that nature than which nothing is better or more lovable that nature to wit which created all others Afterwards, he concludes that these four virtues remain in the future life, but after a different manner. In order to make this evident, we must note that in these virtues there is a formal element and a quasi-material element. The material element in these virtues is a certain inclination of the appetitive part to the passions and operations according to a certain mode and since this mode is fixed by reason the formal element is precisely this order of reason accordingly we must say that these moral virtues do not remain in the future life as regards their material element for in the future life there will be no concupiscences and pleasures in matters of food and sex nor fear and daring about dangers of death nor distributions and commutations of things employed in this present life but as regards the formal element they will remain most perfect after this life in the blessed inasmuch as each one's reason will have most perfect rectitude in regard to things concerning him in respect of that state of life and his appetitive power will be moved entirely according to the order of reason in things pertaining to that same state hence augustine says in on the trinity fourteen nine that prudence will be there without any danger of error fortitude without the anxiety of bearing with evil temperance without the rebellion of the desires so that prudence will neither prefer nor equal any good to god Fortitude will adhere to him most steadfastly, and temperance will delight him who knows no imperfection. As to justice, it is yet more evident what will be its act in that life, notably, to be subject to God, because even in this life, subjection to a superior is part of justice. Reply to Objection 1. The philosopher is speaking there of these moral virtues as to their material element. Thus he speaks of justice as regards commutations and distributions, of fortitude as to matters of terror and danger, of temperance in respect of lewd desires. The same applies to the second objection. For those things that concern the active life, belong to the material element of the virtues reply to objection three there is a twofold state after this life one before the resurrection during which the soul will be separate from the body the other after the resurrection when the souls will be reunited to their bodies in this state of resurrection the irrational powers will be in the bodily organs just as they are now hence it will be possible for fortitude to be in the irascible and temperance in the concupiscible part in so far as each power will be perfectly disposed to obey the reason but in the state preceding the resurrection the irrational parts will not be in the soul actually but only radically in its essence as stated in the first part question seventy seven article eight wherefore neither will these virtues be actually but only in their root that is, in the reason and will wherein are certain nurseries of these virtues as stated above in question sixty three article one justice however will remain because it is in the will hence of justice it is specifically said that it is perpetual and immortal both by reason of its subject, since the will is incorruptible, and because its act will not change, as stated. Second article, whether the intellectual virtues remain after this life. Objection 1. It would seem that the intellectual virtues do not remain after this life. For the Apostle says in 1 Corinthians 13, 8 and 9 that knowledge shall be destroyed. And he states the reason to be because we know in part. Now just as the knowledge of science is in part, that is imperfect, so also is the knowledge of the other intellectual virtues as long as this life lasts. Therefore, all the intellectual virtues will cease after this life. Objection to, further, the philosopher says in Category 6 that since science is a habit, it is a quality difficult to remove, for it is not easily lost, except by reason of some great change or sickness. But no bodily change is so great as that of death. Therefore, science and the other intellectual virtues do not remain after death. Objection 3. Further, the intellectual virtues perfect the intellect so that it may perform its proper act well. Now, there seems to be no act of the intellect after this life, since the soul understands nothing without a phantasm, according to On the Soul 330. And after this life, the phantasms do not remain, since their only subject is an organ of the body therefore the intellectual virtues do not remain after this life on the contrary the knowledge of what is universal and necessary is more constant than that of particular and contingent things now the knowledge of contingent particulars remains in man after this life for instance the knowledge of what one has done or suffered according to luke sixteen twenty five son remember that thou didst receive good things in thy lifetime and likewise lazarus evil things much more therefore does the knowledge of universal and necessary things remain which belong to science and the other intellectual virtues i answer that as stated in the first part question seventy nine article six some have held that the intelligible species do not remain in the passive intellect except when it actually understands, and that so long as actual consideration ceases, the species are not preserved save in the sensitive powers which are acts of bodily organs, notably in the powers of imagination and memory. Now these powers cease when the body is corrupted, and consequently according to this opinion, neither science nor any other intellectual virtue will remain after this life when once the body is corrupted. But this opinion is contrary to the mind of Aristotle who states, in On the Soul, three eight, that the possible intellect is in act when it is identified with each thing as knowing it, and yet even then it is in potentiality to consider it actually, it is also contrary to reason, because intelligible species are contained by the possible intellect immovably, according to the mode of their container. Hence the possible intellect is called the abode of the species in On the Soul 3, because it preserves the intelligible species. And yet the phantasms, by turning to which man understands in this life, by applying the intelligible species to them as stated in the first part question eighty four article seven question eighty five article one fifth reply cease as soon as the body is corrupted hence so far as the phantasms are concerned which are the quasi-material element in the intellectual virtues these latter cease when the body is destroyed but as regards the intelligible species which are in the possible intellect, the intellectual virtues remain. Now the species are the quasi-formal element of the intellectual virtues. Therefore these remain after this life as regards their formal element, just as we have stated concerning the moral virtues, in article one. Reply to objection one: the saying of the apostle is to be understood as referring to the material element in science and to the mode of understanding, because to it, neither do the phantasms remain when the body is destroyed, nor will science be applied by churning to the phantasms. Reply to objection two: sickness destroys the habit of science as to its material element, notably the phantasms, but not as to the intelligible species, which are in the possible intellect reply to objection three as stated in the first part question eighty nine article one the separated soul has a mode of understanding other than by turning to the phantasms consequently science remains yet not as to the same mode of operation as we have stated concerning the moral virtues in article one Third Article, Whether Faith Remains After This Life Objection 1. It would seem that faith remains after this life, because faith is more excellent than science. Now science remains after this life, as stated above in Article 2. Therefore, faith remains also. Objection 2. Further, it is written, in 1 Corinthians 3.11, other foundation no man can lay, but that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus, that is, faith in Christ Jesus. Now if the foundation is removed, that which is built upon it remains no more. Therefore, if faith remains not after this life, no other virtue remains. Objection three further the knowledge of faith and the knowledge of glory differ as perfect from imperfect. Now imperfect knowledge is compatible with perfect knowledge. Thus in an angel there can be evening and morning knowledge. And a man can have science through a demonstrative syllogism, together with opinion through a probable syllogism, about one same conclusion. Therefore, after this life, faith also is compatible with the knowledge of glory. On the contrary, the Apostle says in Second Corinthians 5, verses 6 and 7, While we are in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. But those who are in glory are not absent from the Lord, but present to Him therefore after this life faith does not remain in the life of glory i answer that opposition is of itself the proper cause of one thing being excluded from another in so far to wit as wherever two things are opposite to one another we find opposition of affirmation and negation now in some things we find opposition in respect of contrary forms Thus in colors we find white and black. In others we find opposition in respect of perfection and imperfection. Wherefore in alterations, more and less are considered to be contraries, as when a thing from being less hot is made more hot, according to Physics 519. And since perfect and imperfect are opposite to one another, it is impossible for perfection and imperfection to affect the same thing at the same time. Now we must take note that sometimes imperfection belongs to a thing's very nature and belongs to its species, even as lack of reason belongs to the very specific nature of a horse and an ox. And since a thing, so long as it remains the same identically, cannot pass from one species to another it follows that if such an imperfection be removed, the species of that thing is changed, even as it would no longer be an ox or a horse were it to be rational. Sometimes, however, the imperfection does not belong to the specific nature, but is accidental to the individual by reason of something else. Even as sometimes lack of reason is accidental to a man because he is asleep or because he is drunk, or for some like reason. And it is evident that if such an imperfection be removed, the thing remains substantially. Now it is clear that imperfect knowledge belongs to the very nature of faith, for it is included in its definition, faith being defined as the substance of things to be hoped for, the evidence of things that appear not. In Hebrews 11 verse 1. Wherefore Augustine says, in his commentary on the Gospel of John, What is faith, believing without seeing? But it is an imperfect knowledge that is of things unapparent or unseen. Consequently, imperfect knowledge belongs to the very nature of faith. Therefore it is clear that the knowledge of faith cannot be perfect and remain identically the same. But we must also consider whether it is compatible with perfect knowledge, for there is nothing to prevent some kind of imperfect knowledge from being sometimes with perfect knowledge. Accordingly, we must observe that knowledge can be imperfect in three ways. First, on the part of the knowable object. Secondly, on the part of the medium thirdly on the part of the subject the difference of perfect and imperfect knowledge on the part of the knowable object is seen in the morning and evening knowledge of the angels for the morning knowledge is about things according to the being which they have in the word while the evening knowledge is about things according as they have being in their own natures which being is imperfect in comparison with the first being. On the part of the medium, perfect and imperfect knowledge are exemplified in the knowledge of a conclusion through a demonstrative medium and through a probable medium. On the part of the subject, the difference of perfect and imperfect knowledge applies to opinion, faith, and science. For it is essential to opinion that we assent to one of two opposite assertions with fear of the other, so that our adhesion is not firm. To science it is essential to have firm adhesion with intellectual vision, for science possesses certitude which results from the understanding of principles, while faith holds a middle place, for it surpasses opinion in so far as its adhesion is firm, but falls short of science in so far as it lacks vision now it is evident that a thing cannot be perfect and imperfect in the same respect yet the things which differ as perfect and imperfect can be together in the same respect in one and the same other thing accordingly knowledge which is perfect on the part of the object is quite incompatible with imperfect knowledge about the same object but they are compatible with one another in respect of the same medium, or the same subject. For nothing hinders a man from having, at one and the same time, through one and the same medium, perfect and imperfect knowledge about two things, one perfect, the other imperfect, for example, about health and sickness, good and evil. In like manner, knowledge that is perfect on the part of the medium is incompatible with imperfect knowledge through one and the same medium but nothing hinders them being about the same subject or in the same subject for one man can know the same conclusions through a probable and through a demonstrative medium again knowledge that is perfect on the part of the subject is incompatible with imperfect knowledge in the same subject now faith of its very nature contains an imperfection on the part of the subject viz that the believer sees not what he believes whereas bliss of its very nature implies perfection on the part of the subject viz that the blessed see that which makes them happy as stated above in question three article eight hence it is manifest that faith and bliss are incompatible in one and the same subject Reply to Objection 1. Faith is more excellent than science on the part of the object, because its object is the first truth. Yet science has a more perfect mode of knowing its object, which is not incompatible with vision, which is the perfection of happiness, as the mode of faith is incompatible. Reply to Objection 2. Faith is the foundation in inasmuch as it is knowledge. Consequently, when this knowledge is perfected, the foundation will be perfected also. The reply to the third objection is clear from what has been said. Fourth article, whether hope remains after death in the state of glory. Objection 1 it would seem that hope remains after death in the state of glory. Because hope perfects the human appetite in a more excellent manner than the moral virtues. But the moral virtues remain after this life, as Augustine clearly states in On the Trinity 14.9. Much more, then, does hope remain. Objection to, further, fear is opposed to hope but fear remains after this life in the blessed filial fear which abides forever in the lost the fear of punishment therefore in a like manner hope can remain objection three further just as hope is of future good so is desire now in the blessed there is desire for future good both for the glory of the body, which the souls of the blessed desire, as Augustine declares, in On the Literal Meaning of Genesis 12.35, and for the glory of the soul, according to Ecclesiasticus 24.29, They that eat me shall yet hunger, and they that drink me shall yet thirst. And in 1 Peter 1.12, On whom the angels desire to look, Therefore, it seems that there can be hope in the blessed after this life is past. On the contrary, the apostle says in Romans eight twenty four. What a man seeth, why doth he hope for? But the blessed see that which is the object of hope, notably God. Therefore, they do not hope. i answer that as stated above in article 3 that which in its very nature implies imperfection of its subject is incompatible with the opposite perfection in that subject thus it is evident that movement of its very nature implies imperfection of its subject since it is the act of that which is in potentiality as such according to physics 3 so that as soon as this potentiality is brought into act, the movement ceases. For a thing does not continue to become white when once it is made white. Now hope denotes a movement towards that which is not possessed, as is clear from what has been said above about the passion of hope in question forty, articles one and two. Therefore, when we possess that which we hope for, notably the enjoyment of god it will no longer be possible to have hope reply to objection one hope surpasses the moral virtues as to its object which is god but the acts of the moral virtues are not incompatible with the perfection of happiness as the act of hope is except perhaps as regards their matter in respect of which they do not remain for moral virtue perfects the appetite not only in respect of what is not yet possessed but also as regards something which is in our actual possession. Reply to objection 2. Fear is twofold servile and filial as we shall state further on in the pars secunda secunde question 19 article 2. Servile fear regards punishment and will be impossible in the life of glory, since there will no longer be possibility of being punished. Filial fear has two acts. One is an act of reverence to God, and with regard to this act it remains. The other is an act of fear lest we be separated from God, and as regards this act it does not remain. Because separation from God is in the nature of an evil, and no evil will be feared there according to proverbs one thirty three he shall enjoy abundance without fear of evils now fear is opposed to hope by opposition of good and evil as stated above in question twenty three article two and in question forty article one and therefore the fear which will remain in glory is not opposed to hope in the lost there can be fear of punishment rather than hope of glory in the blessed because in the lost there will be a succession of punishments so that the notion of something future remains there which is the object of fear but the glory of the saints has no succession by reason of its being a kind of participation of eternity wherein there is neither past nor future but only the present and yet properly speaking, neither in the lost is there fear, for, as stated above in question forty two, article two, fear is never without some hope of escape, and the lost have no such hope. Consequently, neither will there be fear in them, except speaking in a general way, in so far as any expectation of future evil is called fear. reply to objection three as to the glory of the soul there can be no desire in the blessed in so far as desire looks for something future for the reason already given in the second reply yet hunger and thirst are said to be in them because they never weary and for the same reason desire is said to be in the angels with regard to the glory of the body there can be desire in the souls of the saints but not hope properly speaking neither as a theological virtue for thus its object is god and not a created good nor in its general signification because the object of hope is something difficult as stated above in question forty article one while a good whose unerring cause we already possess is not compared to us as something difficult. Hence, he that has money is not, properly speaking, said to hope for what he can buy at once. In like manner, those who have the glory of the soul are not, properly speaking, said to hope for the glory of the body, but only to desire it. Fifth Article whether anything of faith or hope remains in glory. Objection 1. It would seem that something of faith and hope remains in glory. For when that which is proper to a thing is removed, there remains what is common. Thus it is stated in On Causes that, if you take away rational, there remains living, and when you remove living, there remains being now in faith there is something that it has in common with beatitude notably knowledge and there is something proper to it notably darkness for faith is knowledge in a dark manner therefore the darkness of faith removed the knowledge of faith still remains objection to further faith is a spiritual light of the soul according to ephesians 1 verses 17 and 18 the eyes of your heart enlightened in the knowledge of god yet this light is imperfect in comparison with the light of glory of which it is written in psalm 35:10. in thy light we shall see light now an imperfect light remains when a perfect light supervenes for a candle is not extinguished when the sun's rays appear. Therefore, it seems that the light of faith itself remains with the light of glory. Objection three further, the substance of a habit does not cease through the withdrawal of its matter. For a man may retain the habit of liberality, though he have lost his money, yet he cannot exercise the act. Now the object of faith is the first truth, as unseen. Therefore, when this ceases through being seen, the habit of faith can still remain. On the contrary, faith is a simple habit. Now a simple thing is either withdrawn entirely or remains entirely, since therefore faith does not remain entirely but is taken away as stated above in article 3 it seems that it is withdrawn entirely i answer that some have held that hope is taken away entirely but that faith is taken away in part notably as to its obscurity and remains in part notably as to the substance of its knowledge and if this be understood to mean that it remains the same not identically but generically, it is absolutely true, since faith is of the same genus, notably knowledge, as the beatific vision. On the other hand, hope is not of the same genus as heavenly bliss, because it is compared to the enjoyment of bliss as movement is to rest in the term of movement. But if it be understood to mean that in heaven the knowledge of faith remains identically the same, this is absolutely impossible, because when you remove a specific difference, the substance of the genus does not remain identically the same. Thus, if you remove the difference constituting whiteness, the substance of color does not remain identically the same, as though the identical color were at one time whiteness and at another blackness. The reason is that genus is not related to difference as matter to form, so that the substance of the genus remains identically the same when the difference is removed, as the substance of matter remains identically the same when the form is changed. For genus and difference are not the parts of a species, else they would not be predicated of the species. But even as the species denotes the whole, that is the compound of matter and form in material things so does the difference and likewise the genus the genus denotes the whole by signifying that which is material the difference by signifying that which is formal the species by signifying both thus in man the sensitive nature is as matter to the intellectual nature and animal is predicated of that which has a sensitive nature rational of that which has an intellectual nature and man of that which has both so that the one same whole is denoted by these three but not under the same aspect it is therefore evident that since the signification of the difference is confined to the genus if the difference be removed the substance of the genus cannot remain the same, for the same animal nature does not remain if another kind of soul constitute the animal. Hence it is impossible for the identical knowledge, which was previously obscure, to become clear vision. It is therefore evident that, in heaven, nothing remains of faith either identically or specifically the same, but only generically. reply to objection 1 if rational be withdrawn the remaining living thing is the same not identically but generically as stated reply to objection 2 the imperfection of candlelight is not opposed to the perfection of sunlight since they do not regard the same subject whereas the imperfection of faith and the perfection of glory are opposed to one another and regard the same subject consequently they are incompatible with one another just as light and darkness in the air reply to objection three he that loses his money does not therefore lose the possibility of having money and therefore it is reasonable for the habit of liberality to remain but in the state of glory not only is the object of faith which is the unseen removed actually but even its possibility by reason of the unchangeableness of heavenly bliss and so such a habit would remain to no purpose sixth article whether charity remains after this life in glory objection one it would seem that charity does not remain after this life in glory because according to first corinthians thirteen ten when that which is perfect is come that which is in part that is that which is imperfect shall be done away now the charity of the wayfarer is imperfect therefore it will be done away when the perfection of glory is attained Objection 2. Further, habits and acts are differentiated by their objects, but the object of love is good apprehended. Since therefore the apprehension of the present life differs from the apprehension of the life to come, it seems that charity is not the same in both cases. Objection 3. Further, things of the same kind can advance from imperfection to perfection by continuous increase but the charity of the wayfarer can never attain to equality with the charity of heaven however much it be increased therefore it seems that the charity of the wayfarer does not remain in heaven on the contrary the apostle says in first corinthians thirteen eight Charity never falleth away. I answer that, as stated above in Article 3. When the imperfection of a thing does not belong to its specific nature, there is nothing to hinder the identical thing passing from imperfection to perfection, even as man is perfected by growth and whiteness by intensity. Now charity is love, the nature of which does not include imperfection, since it may relate to an object either possessed or not possessed, either seen or not seen. Therefore, charity is not done away by the perfection of glory, but remains identically the same. Reply to Objection 1. The imperfection of charity is accidental to it, because imperfection is not included in the nature of love. Now although that which is accidental to a thing be withdrawn, the substance remains. Hence, the imperfection of charity being done away, charity itself is not done away. Reply to Objection 2 The object of charity is not knowledge itself. If it were, the charity of the wayfarer would not be the same as the charity of heaven. Its object is the thing known, which remains the same, notably God himself. Reply to Objection 3. The reason why charity of the wayfarer cannot attain to the perfection of the charity of heaven is a difference on the part of the cause, for vision is a cause of love, as stated in Ethics 9.5. And the more perfectly we know God, the more perfectly we love him. End of question sixty seven. Read by Michael Shane Craig Lambert, L.C.